I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Miguel Delaney of the Sunday Independent. Welcome, Mings. I know it's your BT Sport debut. Now, John, you're the... uh, Wily midfield veteran of this team, <laughs> you've literally written the book on Arsene Wenger. What will the epilogue say? Is it a visionary who's blind to his own faults? I think there's an element of that. Yes, I have written a book and I have to say the first half is glowing, the second half is a lot more mixed and, and deservedly so because I think, you know, the first, I don't know, eight years w- was wonderful and there's no getting away from that. And then the follow on, it just seems to each year have an issue with it and not see, to seem to have seized the opportunity and again this year to really go on and kind of build on the, the optimism and the momentum, try and strengthen the squad as if they've got a real title challenge this season. I mean, the defeat against Liverpool just strikes me as Groundhog Day. Mm. I mean, their, their, their record on opening day fixtures is abysmal. One in seven. It's crazy, and even that was a last gasp winner against Crystal Palace at home. I mean, it's, it doesn't cover yourself in glory. And it seems to me that, you know, let alone this one, you sort of kind of had Aston Villa, sort of that defeat at home and kind of everything that went with that. West Ham last year, which killed that early season optimism that they had then. This time around, it seemed to me that Arsenal fans were cynical even before it started. There was a lot of anger, sort of hangover from from last season. Arsenal hadn't addressed the issues. But for me, it is it is really systematic of the, the way the club is run. And it is bad management, not just the manager, but from top to bottom. How on earth can you go into a new season with the shocking admission that you're not ready for the season? The season is nine months old. The start of the season has been pretty well signposted for the last few months. You know when it's going to start. What is your excuse about not being ready? I know you're some players at the Euros, but you go and you know, you've got to go and sign players. Don't leave it to August the 31st. That's what they're always guilty of, and I do think that Wenger is guilty of it. And I have to say, I don't think that the board and and the hierarchy of the club are giving him much support either. The, the charge is that he's not doing his job properly, Miguel. Now you saw him on Friday before that game. What struck you about him? What was his mood like? Well, he was oddly serene, I have to say, given the amount of uh, the amount of pressure that was already escalating. But I mean, obviously, transfers took up most most of the chat. But then, by the time it got to the Sunday part of the press the Sunday paper part of the press conference, which I was in, 
obviously kind of we'd moved off actual talk about the actual transfers themselves and we talk about the effect of transfers and kind of how sometimes even just bringing in a player actually just lifts it it's not even about their quality in the pitch just you know if, um, bolsters momentum it just injects a bit of life into a place creates a bit of a buzz again and then he, he kind of came out with this very strange comment and he said sometimes new is just new or he didn't even say sometimes like, new, new is just new but within six months that passes and I, I think that's a very symbolic and significant comment for someone that as John said is just suffering the same problems every single season I mean and even most of the players I know have been talking about the fact that they've neither centre half they need a centre forward I mean it's just it's it's such an obvious issue so to get to, get to this stage and for that not to be solved after what's been what three four years it's it's amazing did you get an impression of a man out of his time. Um, I, I, I don't want to go. He reminds me of a politician who almost kind of wants to try. He, he feels the world should bend to his ideals rather than adapt to what's actually happening happening around him. And in that sense, he probably is. He's just not. He's not responsive any, anymore. And I mean, I suppose at the start of his career, in those first eight years, he was always ahead of the curve. He's always thinking so much, and now it is. It's, it's as if he just isn't responsive anymore. Mm. The the general mood's going to get worse if they lose at Leicester, John. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're in a situation where you are identified as a close observer of that football club. Is there an extent in this situation that you become a bit of a lightning rod yourself? Can yeah. you give us an insight into you know, how much frustration is out there? Well, certainly in the social social media age, I certainly do copy. I've got the same. I mean, you should see my replies on Twitter, for example. And it's, I don't know, I think people have been kind of I don't know, sort of sucking into this thing that I'm some sort of apologist for him. But I do think that kind of it was obvious last season, at the end of last season, that, and I thought the impression I had was that towards the end of last season that they would definitely kind of shake things up mm. and you would really get a lot of ins and outs. And it was, it was almost talk of a revolution. And I can understand why, I mean, people are so upset because I do think that the kind of a decent finish to the season St Totteringham's Day, of course, the final day of the season, papered over the cracks. And now I think people, I can understand why I kind of get a lot of vitriol from upset fans about, you know, lack of lack of signings, is it Wenger's time? What about the board? And they're very upset about kind of soundings from, you know, the hierarchy this summer about kind of, you know, how much money can they compete and, and those sort of issues. And I do think the fans have got every right to because I think they've been let down. To only have one major signing at this point in time, I think is absolutely unforgivable. Question to both of you, really. Do you think it would have been better had he walked away? Well, I, don't, I just don't feel when. I mean, I don't... I, I think in the past, I think when he won the FA Cup and he was at the end of the contract, then I think you could make a case for riding off into the sunset. Mm. But this summer, he's got a year left... Uh, he's not daft, he's not stupid. I think the club will offer him a new contract, but it's not just down to the club. I think that basically he will he will know that the fans are, are, are resentful and, and sort of itchy feet, call it what you like. And I think unless he thinks that he can kind of turn that tide, then he, it's, it might be him that actually decides to walk away. But he'll only do that at the end of his contract. He just won't break the contract. The England stuff for me was a bit of a, you know, him being linked with the England job was a bit of a red herring simply because I just don't think it got past first base because he's under contract. But I do think we're probably entering into his final yeah. season. You agree with that? Oh, I, I think he probably should have gone after the 2014 FA Cup. I think that was almost a perfect way to bail because it was a bit like Ferguson. It was always too... It would have allowed him to go on an upbeat note, and with that kind of, with the legacy restored slightly. But like from a football writer's perspective, what I find especially frustrating about Wenger in relation to whether he's still with it, 
if you talk to him about any topic in football other than Arsenal, he's so perceptive. He gives mm. he gives brilliant copy, and like he really gets gets engaged. And even I was watching him at the, at the Euros, and like his his punchery in the Euros was, was exceptional. But then when it comes to his own team, it's like that, 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 it's that evaporates. It's it's almost like he's only got blind spots to his own team, uh, and, and he tries to kind of fob you off with kind of you know evasive responses when you kind of when you really get. Now I suppose he's going to do that because he's going to protect his players. But at the same time, there is a little bit of um, you know it, 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 self deception about it almost. Do you end up killing the thing you love? It's probably the case. Yeah, he's in relation to that about going out on a high. There are very few managers that get to do it. Um, mm. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I do think the greatest shame. And shocker of all of this is that, without doubt, Arsene Wenger was a revolutionary. He came in in 1996 yeah. and was fantastic. Transformed the, the football club, the whole philosophy, even you know brought in major change for English football. And I think the biggest shame of this all is that if this drags on for far too yeah. you know too much longer, he's going to destroy all of those memories and all of those special wonderful things and destroy his legacy. It, he it, should come back yeah. as a returning hero, but yeah. he's in danger of taking it, it, that away. Isn't that, isn't that, like, because he's, it's almost like he's hanging on for the perfect way to go. To, mm. and, he, and I suppose after the kind of 2004 team, he almost wanted to build a team in his own way mm. to do kind of bring all through all these youngsters. Because he's so stuck on that, it's, it's, it has eroded, as you say, like the, the memories of, uh, of how, just how good those teams used to be. But we live in an age of emotional incontinence. People are flying off at all angles. And also... We're in an age of instant gratification. Mm. Wenger has to buy players. He just has to buy players. Do you think he will? <laughs> you say that, Mike. He doesn't have to. That's the biggest thing. I mean, look, at the start of the summer, for me, it was obvious that they needed a, a, a ready-made centre-half. Mm. And, and my understanding was they were going to go for a ready-now centre-half to play alongside, first choice, to play alongside Gashelny and also a striker, as well as Xhaka, obviously. You know, they're obviously only going to sign one. And who would that have been, do you think? In, in the centre-half? Mm. Well, I, I guess, ultimately, they must have had eyes on, on Mustafi, for example, Valencia, someone like that, right, Valencia. Yeah. And look, I don't... If they can't get Mustafi, then maybe they, they might sort of turn to someone like Johnny Evans or someone yeah. like that. But they needed someone sort of kind of top class, but also they needed a striker. That was obvious. Then they have two centre-halves, you know, get injured for quite a long time in pre-season. And rather than actually kind of be sort of panicked into going and actually getting the one that they need in the first place, they're still, you know, muddling through. And I just think it's, it's shocking. But, look, they've had negotiations over Mustafi. I think there's a decent chance they'll get him. But I'm still not absolutely convinced that they will. And they might just be in Arsenal. They might just finish the window without getting anyone at all. The thing is about, uh, look, they've gone for Lacassette. I think they've been frustrated. They went for Vardy. I think that the, the, there is a failure in there with Vardy because they made an offer to, you know, meet his claws. But for my money, if you really want a player, there's a difference between going for a player and really yeah, going yeah. for a player, making feel wanted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, and there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. I, listen, I don't think that Lacassette is worth £40 million. And I, I just don't... I think they think as well that he's got a level. And fair enough, because I don't think he's top class. Yeah. Mm. Football and fate being what it is, they're playing Vardy yeah. on Saturday. What odds are you going to give me on Vardy scoring and embarrassing that defence? <laughs> well, the only thing about that is, having watched Leicester on Saturday, I was a bit surprised by how panicked Leicester looked throughout that game. And I do wonder whether... I mean, it's, it's going to be a very interesting game from that perspective because we've got two teams with probably the most pressure at this point of the season than anyone now because it did just... It, it almost like it took away some of the momentum from Leicester that they immediately lost the opening game. 
without Kante, that defence looked really, really panicked and anxious. There were some, so many dodgy touches in it. And even up front then, both Vardy and to a lesser extent Mares, they did look very rushed in everything they did as if they're trying to force it. So I actually... I, <laughs> I'm not sure it will come down to that now. I think it could be. It, 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 this could be a very, very nervy game. Mm. You look at that Leicester side at the moment, Mares. Mm. He wouldn't be human if he didn't listen to the voices in his ear saying, "You can do this, you can do that, yeah. you can do the other." Still, a lot of talk about Chelsea. You know, Arsenal were mentioned in dispatches. Yeah. Do you expect him to be at Leicester at the end of this window? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at all, and that's coming from a couple of different angles. In that, I think the Arsenal thing is a really interesting one because I don't think that there's a live interest from Arsenal in, in Mares, and I think that tells you something. It tells me that Mares, or probably more likely his representatives, are pushing that. Mm -hmm. And I think once it's clear that a player is agitating to get out, then you've got yourself a problem. It, also, if Leicester make a dodgy start. He's yeah. already seen Kante go. I think all the kind of the romance of kind of trying to stay and you know retain the title in the Champions League, well, that's been slightly tarnished by Kante's exit. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, well, if we lose at Hull, maybe have a couple of other bad results before the end of the window, I actually think I should quit while I'm ahead. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not convinced that Myers will stay. I don't think there's a live Arsenal interest, as I say. It's an interesting point about Chelsea. I think there'll be other suitors because he's a good, good player. Mm. And the law of the dressing room, Miguel, is what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And that'll be going round, won't it, in that dressing room? Okay, yeah. they've got their medals, they've got their BMWs, they've got their win bonuses, but they've still got careers to look at. Yeah, and well, on the other side of it as well, I mean, if you look at, I did a piece in this recently, but if you look at the, the records of all the surprise champions in the Europe's major league over the last 24 years, going back to Blackburn, they all usually have terrible seasons next year, because, and because of a number of reasons, because they lose those players, because there's a collective hangover, because opposition teams kind of get used to them a little bit more, and I suppose because they're not used to the situation. So that, I mean, And as you say, I mean, that, that's what I was thinking as well. I, I'd heard myself that... Um, Mares, his greater goal, he thinks he can, he thinks he can play in Spain, and he almost he's going to use the Champions League almost to try and get that move to Barca, Real. But if if it starts badly, and obviously he's keep, he wants to keep his options open, you would imagine he'd be much more pressed to leave and kind of think, well, ultimately I'm better than this level, I'm better than this team, which he probably is. Well, which he is. Mm -hmm. We can't go any further without mentioning Liverpool mm. because they were the ones who exposed Arsenal's failings. That performance smacked of that performance against Barcelona in the friendly. Intense, urgent, you know, huge energy. The, uh, the amount of mileage they, they covered apparently was the highest in Premier League history uh, on that day on Sunday. Are they live contenders? I think they'll finish top four. And I, I've tipped them to finish fourth, but I, I do think they'll have a say. But I, I don't know where they can win the title, but I do think they are genuine top four contenders. And bearing in mind where they've come from last season, mm. And I think that would be a huge achievement. But I think Klopp is capable of it. I think Klopp is such a great fit for Liverpool yeah. because he, he's got this wonderful the connection with the fans. Yeah. And the fans love it. And the fans sort of buy into that. And look, he has got massive weaknesses. Obviously, he's signed a new, new goalkeeper and Mignolet's still there and he looks a little bit of a weak link, maybe. But I still think Mignolet's 
a, a decent keeper myself. But Moreno is an absolute yeah. liability. Mm. I cannot believe that he started the season. That was with the Moreno. most illiterate football performance <laughs> I've seen in years. Well, he's, he's good going forward, but he's you know fundamentally he's got to defend first. And when he's like that, I mean, he was really poor. I mean, he's really really poor, and I just cannot understand why he's. You know, but I'm sure that Klopp will address that because he's far too shrewd and, and yeah. clever a guy not to. But I think Liverpool will be in the mix. I did think they were a bit like a midfielder, Emre Can. Um, I don't think that fully worked because of the fact that Arsenal were, were just so... I mean, it was quite strange that game yesterday. It was almost as if about 50 minutes in, Liverpool kind of suddenly realised, hang on, these are actually really, really vulnerable. We can relax here and play ourselves, which is what they did because then for about 15 minutes they ripped them apart. And even it was a very typical Arsenal comeback in the sense that it was a bit false. Like It wasn't really a 4-3 game. I thought one of them was a bit of a freak from Arsenal's second, the Oxlade-Chamberlain strike, going through Mignolet's hands after deflection. And then the third was an age-old Liverpool issue under Klopp, a set piece. So it wasn't like kind of Arsenal pushed them in open play. Uh, so it wouldn't be that concerned from that, that perspective from Liverpool. But they still just look as if they're missing kind of one or two things actually challenge for the title. Mm. That was a signature goal by Mane though, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he's a brilliant signing. I really, really like Marley. I think, it, you know, when you look at what he did for Southampton, he could play wide, he could play through the middle. He's got pace, he's got power, he's got energy. I think he's, he's fantastic. The way that he cuts in and finds those angles, he he's a deadly player. It's the yeah, swish of his finish as well. Yeah, he, yeah. he finishes in such a distinctive way that yeah. the ball kind of slices past the keeper. Yeah, he's, he's good value, I think, mm. at that price. I know people will say about £35 million. Well... You know, that's what he is. I mean, he's sort of kind of proven uh, in Premier uh, League and he's good, good as, as you're saying, no in fair, this era. As you were saying, no fair, £30 million is now the standard price for kind mm. of a, a decent Premier League player. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's worth more than that, I'd say. Yeah. What about Coutinho? I thought what was really marked about the rotation of yeah. that, you know, the front four, basically. Coutinho scored 12 goals last season. He's saying, I'm going to get more. Mm -hmm. That free kick was fantastic. Yeah. Can he really make a sustained impact? Or is he one of these late summer players will fade well I think I suppose the criticism that we've been had for, of Coutinho for a while is the fact that it's almost like he's not mobile enough and that he'll do nothing for about an hour and then suddenly pop up with a screamer that kind of you know completely colours the rest of his performance that works out but, well it? exactly <laughs> but, but I did think yesterday when I mean, we were watching it from the Bournemouth press room he was rotating a bit more with the other forwards he was getting more involved we saw more kind of perceptive passes from it wasn't just basically strike from distance and, and trying to do kind of special things all the time um, so I, I think he can pick up and I suppose he's getting he's coming into his mid-twenties now so he's getting, he's getting into that kind of you know more mature more responsible age for a player where they, where they do start to look to take control more mm. What about Klopp? Does he have a balance to strike between the emotional which as you mm. say suits the nature of the club and the logical because there was a time in that game mm. yesterday where you know, he was performance art on the touchline. He was he was in the face of the fourth official. He was really sort of florid in his emotions. Does he have to keep a check on himself? Well, he said so afterwards, didn't he? He mm. shouldered that, that sort of part of that blame for basically Liverpool nearly blowing it because his kind of celebrations after Mane's goal to make it 4-1 was just, you know, it was over the top yeah. and basically it's game over mm. and the players switched off. Yeah. And that is the danger, isn't it, of being too emotional on the touchline. So he does have to have a balance of it. Look, I think Klopp is, you know, he's a really exciting, interesting manager simply because I don't think he would be perfect for everyone because he is going to be very excitable, very temperamental at times. But he's brilliant for Liverpool, for what he is. But I do think he needs to find a good balance. And I think it'll be really interesting this season because it's his first full season in charge just how quickly he can adapt. For the longer term, I think Liverpool are going places, you know, yeah. big time mm -hmm. under Klopp, but it's just how quickly he can turn them into that team.
Miguel, big managers make big decisions. Mm. A bit like mafia bosses, they make their bones, don't they? Pep Guardiola has made his bones by basically driving Joe Hart out of that football club. Well, it's amazing, really. I mean, for, for a man that's... I mean, obviously, Guardiola has this extraordinary CV himself, and you, you, you can't criticise the record, but he still comes here with elements of questions because of the, the quality of the clubs he's been at, because of the players he's had. And even w watching City on Saturday, you could sense a little bit that some of those players almost weren't as technically good enough to play his style as some of those at Bayern and Barca. So to come in with those questions, and then to kind of almost heap... Because he does put pressure on Guardiola himself as well, if he gets this wrong or, you know... If, if there's any sort of backlash, but to, to do that, I mean, to talk, talk about being assured in yourself, but, but completely, yeah, it's, um, you know, he, he's marked his ground. Yeah. Where and what's next for Joe Hart? I, I think he should go, because, it, you know, fundamentally he's been told, you, you know, both actually, I think, directly and sort yeah. of ob obviously mm -hmm. the message is clear as well, that he's not part of... Pep Guardiola's plans, he's no longer first choice, so I think he should go for the sake of his career. Unfortunately, he's only got two weeks to do that, to navigate a way out. And I know people might think, oh, that's a long time. It's not really, because I think wheels in motion have to be there. I think he needs to go out because he'll become disillusioned. I think his England place would also be in danger, with Jack Butland in the longer term breathing down his neck. I think he would probably prefer to stay in the Premier League, just my reading of things. But who is out there? Because the issue you've got is that he would command a big fee, yeah. despite well, not obviously talking, not being at City. They're talking 20 million, aren't they? Well, I think that would be ridiculous because you're not going to pay that. But basically, but by the same token, he's also on what 120,000 plus a week. Um, Premier League clubs, not many Premier League clubs will spend that on yeah. a goalkeeper. Uh, the wages for me is the bigger issue mm. than the fee because you've got to balance it off. Yes, he's a good goalkeeper, but. The, the only one I can think of, logically, would be Everton. Mm. But, you know, Stecklenburg played well Saturday. He did, but City, you know, we're, we're in a money-no-object situation to a degree. They'll, you know, they will fund part of Hart's wages just to get him off the, off the premises, wouldn't they? Uh, probably because he's such a massive personality as well. I mean, if you, if you keep him around, you do wonder, is there any sort of danger of that kind of spreading discontent? And, I, I, and in a situation, no, I suppose the stories are that the majority of the City players absolutely love Pep and go, well, what are you trying to do with them? But if you are trying to change the culture of a club, I suppose it, it doesn't exactly do that culture any good to have someone there who's all, who will be maybe slightly resentful of what's happening. So, yeah. You'd have to imagine if a push comes to shove that they will try and arrange some deal like that. Yeah, because we've looked at Joe Hart and his issues have been technical. He's vulnerable low to his left, yeah. but also temperamental. I thought it was really interesting during the Euros where he was a very loud presence mm. in the tunnel. Now, goalkeepers, by their nature and their job, they need to be serene. Yeah, they? yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's gonna, it'll probably come down as almost the touchstone moment of his entire career, that penalty against Pirlo. Because that was just the case, you know, a keeper, what's supposed to be the most introspective position on the pitch, mm. and he was completely out-thought by a player who used all his antics and all, all that personality against him. I mean, you see it so often with Harbour, he kind of comes out kind of banging a tunnel, and then just, <laughs> it's literally as if he's not focused enough when he's faced with kind of efforts like that. Mm. He's and, been defined, isn't he, yeah. by his pre-match, you know, hype-up routine against Iceland. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he has been doing that for a long time. But suddenly it yeah. puts it in perspective because he's lost the plot in the game. He made an absolute howler, a terrible mm. ricket against Wales, and similarly also against Iceland. Well, if you're not absolutely fully focused, I mean, there's your weakness from the start. I mean, there are certain goalkeepers that aren't as good as Harden, who, like, I mean, I suppose you could... Look, look at you know, Green before and who have become 
they, they have none of the backup heroic saves from the past to kind of define them anew. So they'll always be remembered for those uh, errors. Whereas Hart does have a catalogue of kind of brilliant saves. I mean, he's made some title-winning saves for City. So for moments like these, almost override that in people's memory. It just shows how bad it's got. Mm. You guys were both at Manchester United and Bournemouth. But just one final question on Man City, if I may. They're going to Bucharest for the Champions League. How important is it for Guardiola to really go deep in the Champions League this season? Oh, I think it defines his reign. Mm. I think there's no doubt about it. I think City have, have won the league already, but I do think the whole point of Pep Guardiola is basically to make them... Yeah. You know, I think the first objective clearly is to win the Premier League, but Guardiola, the objective must be to make them a European superpower. Yeah. Whether it be this season or the next two or three, he must make them genuine Champions League to, contenders. To, at the very least, to be regularly getting to the semi-finals, like Barca and Bayern do, yeah. Mm. So, across the town... Or obviously you saw him at Bournemouth. Mourinho, what was the mood music like then, Miguel? Yeah, I was actually surprised at just... I haven't seen him on Friday on TV, I was on his press conference, but after the game, he, he came into the press room and he was... Having covered him for three years at Chelsea, and even at his happiest times at Chelsea, there was always kind of a little bit of uh, edge to him. But he came in so um, almost kind of humbly delighted after the, mm. uh, after the win. And it, it, the first thing he did was make a bit of a joke to the press. Oh, same old faces down here. And he, he was just, you know, smiling. Uh, there was one very conspicuous moment of thought when he um, he was asked about where he still gets nervous again. I think that was your question, was it? No, uh, Charlie White. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it felt like he was really kind of you know play on kind of the United's history. He like he brought up Ferguson. Oh, I remember I asked Sir Alex when we played Real Madrid and Manchester United. But that's typical, isn't yeah, it? Exa- you know, yeah, There's always an agenda there somewhere. Yeah. where he says that. But it's, you know, it was it was him you know, further trying to embed himself into the club, but so self-consciously. But yeah, he, he was you know. As happy as I've seen him in a long time. Yeah, he, he, I thought he was a class act, really. I did I did his pre-match press conference in, in Manchester on Friday. And he, he is... I felt then he was a little bit subdued. And basically, he was asked a question about kind of, you know, title chances and the title this season, which was prefaced with, um, you know, the words Arsene Wenger. <laughs> and he immediately shut it down. It was quite interesting. And similarly, also, it was sort of a question about some Pochettino remarks that had been made by the Spurs manager 24 hours earlier. And again, he said, you know, I'm not going to go there. And it was almost like he was trying to be respectful before the season kicked yeah. in. And there were, I don't know what you felt, but I felt there was a sort of a, almost post-match yesterday. There, there was a release Completely, of that yeah, nervous yeah, energy. Yeah. Oh, it's over with. And it was, yeah, it yeah. was great. I mean, I thought that I thought Zlatan was, was absolutely magnificent. He is, that guy. He is value, isn't he? Superstar. He's box office, isn't he? Brilliant. And I just think that United, what a game changer. Mourinho... You know, Zlatan, world record transfer, you know, obviously with, with Paul Pogba. Mm. And I think Mkhitaryan's a good sign. I thought Bailey was man of the match at Bournemouth. I thought we thought he's absolutely terrific. United are a complete team well, it, transformed. It's amazing to say about a team that are a club that are one of the biggest in the world, but it's like they have a presence again. You know, mm. and, and Mourinho and Zlatan in particular give them that. It's just, there's just that, you know, immediate. It's the shoulders back thing, isn't yeah, it? We belong. You know, yeah. Look at us. Yeah, com- that, that's completely it. Yeah. And you, you could say, because even the game actually started a little bit ropey for United yesterday, mm. I thought. They, they were, it wasn't kind of fully working. But then, but then once it kind of clicked into gear, and, and once Matt had got that goal, you could just see it. They just they just went up a few levels. Mm. Yeah, they got Southampton on Friday night. Will Old Trafford be like the old Old Trafford? Do you think? In, you know, have they got their mojo back? Well, you can just imagine Mourinho walking out for that, that his first proper reception at Old Trafford. Yeah, it, it completely. It will. It'd be it'd be completely transformed from what it was the last three years. Mm. Ibrahimovic, you know, Mourinho talked after the game, didn't he, about the impact he's having on the young players, you know, Rashford and Shaw mm. and people like that. What about 
Ibrahimovic's relationship with Rooney, on and off the pitch, what's your vibe out of that? Well, actually, I thought this sort of the post-match TV interview. There's, I just thought it was nice sort of chemistry between them. I just feel that on the pitch, it is finding a right balance. Yeah. Because I, I love Mkhitaryan, for example. I think he's a great signing. I think he could either play wide or he could play in the 10. But the one thing that he does do is bring the ball yeah. forward from deep midfield. And I think he can be fantastic. I personally, I like Rooney. And I, I'm a big Rooney fan, really. But I know you, you weren't so, <laughs> so, so convinced about his performance. But I just feel that Rooney, is, for me, is not a midfield player. You either accommodate him in the number 10 role behind... Ibrahimovic or play him as part of the the attacking three, then if you are going to go four three three or you don't, he really has to kind of you know you have to justify yeah. him in, in his own right. But I do actually feel it seemed to me that Ibrahimovic, despite his ego, is trying to buy into yeah. that philosophy and make him feel at, do, at ease do, and welcome. The one issue I thought you asked with Rooney there as well. I mean, there was there was a, a two or three moments in the first half where. Ibrahimovic dropped back into the number 10 role and that, well, I think that would work perfectly if he had whoever was behind him so Rooney bombing on but, but Rooney didn't so there was a few times when he occupied the same space and as you mentioned about him not being a number 10 the first thing I noticed in the game yesterday when they kicked off this was clearly some sort of pre-prepared move but Martial, Ibrahimovic and Fellaini were right on the halfway the, on the left wing just, it was almost like sprinters waiting for, waiting for the gun they were going to bomb forward and whistle went, played back to Rooney. Rooney looked to pick the three of them out. I think he went for Martial. And it was kind of just this slow, awkward ball. It basically just took the sting out of the move and it, and it just didn't work. Mm. I think that happens a bit with Rooney in that role. He's just, it's almost as if when the ball goes to him, the handbrake suddenly yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Com completely. And, I, and I, which I suppose, I know this is such a long-running debate with Rooney, but what really made him and what, what used to be so great about him was just that power and that, just a physical strength when he, when he was just thundering forward. That's kind of... It has been kind of replaced by this player who's just who needs the extra three seconds to move. You could even see it with Chance Now, I, w I wouldn't really blame for missing that. Um, it wasn't quite a one-on-one, but that brilliant Ibrahimovic flick on. Mm. But it is just kind of just that, that zip has gone a little bit. And you do wonder, I mean, Mourinho's best teams, particularly Chelsea 05 with Duff and Robin, and then the 2010 Inter team when he had, like, I mean, I was at that final when they beat Bayern. And some of their counter-attacks in that final with Snyder feeding Eto, it was, it was lightning. And you, you do wonder if it comes right down to it, whether there will be a bit of a contradiction here. Even you know, Mourinho on one side wanting to generate that type of football, which is why one big reason why Pogba is so important because he has that power. And then Rooney, who anytime he gets in that sort of move, just just takes a little bit of the um, the zip out of it. Mm. Pogba, big big signing, mm. big big impact. Big impact. I think it's almost the statement that is made is it going to be as as bigger impact as he will have on the pitch. Because it's saying to the rest of football, we're Man United, we're back, we're ambitious, we're going to come and take you on, basically. And I think that that is ridiculous money, of course it is, both in the contract and the fee. But if that wins them the title, then I do think it will be good business and it will be value. Yeah. It really will. I know, you know, but I do think that if, if they can find that system where that he can play in, in the two, so it'll be a 4 2 3 1. Yeah. Pogba can be an absolute sensation for Manchester yeah, United agree, and yeah. in the Premier League. Mm. And also, if you look for, in terms of the money as well, no one talks about Bale's price anymore. Because mm. he's, he's well, money doesn't mean yeah. anything anymore. Yeah, does exactly. It? It's a hyper reality. Like, it's just, it's just a, a market divorced from our reality, basically. Mm. Yeah. So, just as the final point, you know, just to wrap up, we've only had one weekend. Who has been the big winner of this weekend and who has made the best start to the season? 
Manchester United. I just think Jose Mourinho is the biggest winner. I think they put out a statement yeah. saying, we're in it to win it, we can win it, we can do it this season, bang. Yeah, I'd agree. Although I think Hall probably deserved credit as well because mm. I was expecting a complete collapse there. So to get off to a start like that, I mean, it's going to completely change perception of the season. Mm. I love Liverpool's performance. Anyway, thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.